Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us once again. This is a little off topic. One agency's water cooler chat on digital marketing, business and all the things that get in the way presented by Speak Creative. We are bringing you another very, very fun conversation this week. Our topic today covers something that's extremely important in every aspect of what we do at Speak, and that is content planning. My name is David Caffey. I'm Speak's digital marketing manager and the host of A Little Off Topic. I'm joined this week and every week by our VP leadership team. Kendra Svensson is VP of client partnerships. The first of our duo of Matt's is Matt Roberts, VP of marketing and sales. And finally with us again is Matt Irvin, VP of creative services. So content planning is not limited to just deciding the topics for pages on your website or just the text of a social media post. It also involves audience targeting, selecting marketing channels, and even goal setting and measuring success. Uh, there was really no better way to illustrate this process than to come up with an example content plan of our own. And since we're approaching the back to school season, that's gonna be completely different than anything we've seen before. Today, we are building a plan for an institute of higher learning. So welcome everyone to Speak University. Uh, we'll go step by step today through the content planning process, starting with creation of personas, uh, picking the right channels for messaging, as well as generating creative that can help your university stand out from the pack. Finally, we'll close our discussion by putting the finishing touches on Speak University by selecting or at least attempting to select a mascot and a fight song. So lots of great info today, so let's get right to it. As always, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today, and I hope you enjoy today's episode of A Little Off Topic. Folks, the mics are hot. We are live to tape. Uh, as we're recording this, baseball finally underway again, and we've got the Speak All-Star team on deck. Ready to knock this one out of the park. Let's start off with Kendra. Hello. This day, a Hi. warm welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you. Matt Irvin is back again. Matt, how are you? Doing pretty good. Can't complain. And finally, Matt Roberts. We call him the 100% shot taker. Welcome back to you <laughs> as well. Thanks, man. I thought we were going with a baseball metaphor, but well, maybe well, we're just know. sticking with that. It's still, it, it, you know, it's, it's adjacent to baseball. We'll call it that. So let's jump right in. Today's topic is content planning. Does somebody want to try to take a crack at explaining what content planning is to us? Yes, I will, since uh, I think I was on the content train last time. I was such an advocate for it. So uh, content planning in our world in digital marketing is just the strategy behind what people are reading, taking in, um, watching. It is the plan for what is on your website or on your social media pages and what its intention is. So planning that out is, um, believe it or not, quite quite the job. It keeps us busy because it's important. And so what like situations would content planning, you know, come into play? Uh, so I, I'm assuming like a, a new website or, you know, even just a campaign in general. Yeah. I, honestly, content planning is ongoing. It never stops because um, to have that living, breathing website that we talk about, you always need to be adding new content. So um, we do it when we have a brand new project and are trying to determine what content needs to go on a website, for instance, or an app. Uh, and then we have it within our digital marketing strategy sessions where we're creating new posts and new content for engagement, um, understanding how to get people to take specific action. It all goes back to content. 
and then anytime we have a marketing campaign or a video, certainly the content there is important too. So it really is just always, always happening. Gotcha. So I feel like for my benefit and probably folks listening that this conversation might benefit from us talking from a real world example of a, maybe an industry that would, we would be familiar with at speak and maybe our listeners would as well uh, that we could help illustrate what we're talking about. Can you guys think of a industry that is kind of would is in a unique position right now that um, might benefit for some new content planning or some refreshed content planning? I mean, off the top of my head, all of them sports, <laughs> the sports industry. Yeah, they've got that's it. Right. They've got it with the fake fans now. Okay, let's see. Yeah, they've great solved content. It. Yep. They plan that well. Uh, yeah, uh, higher education feels like a good, good, good fit. Uh, lots of groups, lots of groups that we're working with are scrambling for the fall and worried about admission and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I would agree with that as well. well. Like you guys said, I think admissions are in a different place than they have been previously. And they're also, you know, in-person classes, virtual classes. It's all, it's a whole new world there. Um, so I think that would be a great one to start with. Um, so let's say uh, we're talking about speak university here. Uh, let's say that we're facing a lot of the same problems and, as other institutions are. Um, so how would we start content planning for our imaginary speak university? I think the first thing we need to do is name me provost. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a title I would like. I would like I to know, be the bursar because I'd like to have the credit card. <laughs> oh, that's good. I want to be the registrar because yeah, that, that just always sounds fun. Wow. Kendra, I, you have any? I, uh, uh, so much pressure. You know, I think I'd stick to like residence hall director, like minimum responsibility. <laughs> you even get paid for that? Free room and board. What I, I, can't, get. I wouldn't turn You can live down. in a dorm for free. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I paid $2,000 a semester to live in a dorm with no air conditioning. So Yikes. my sophomore year in Mississippi. Yes. Probably should have left that out. <laughs> so let's also assume speak university does have air conditioning as well just a one more foot dude on that good and, and oh, good um so when we're i guess talking about how would content help a university um the first thing to understand is who that audience is it's likely yeah. not the same demographic as the provost or the bursar or um the dean. Um, I think that understanding who the audience is and what they're looking for, you have two audiences with higher education. You have the students themselves, which are high schoolers at this point, um, and then you have their parents. Uh, and then maybe you have a third audience, which is like older adult students, non-trad students. So um, understanding what value they're seeking, each of those audiences is seeking, kind of can drive that direction. But I think that you know, the parents who are maybe contributing financially or helping their kids validate their school choices, that's probably just as important as reaching those high schoolers. What would you say to uh, a, a university who says, hey, yeah, we want to we wanna get more students in or we want to, you know, increase the quality of, of applicant, you know, kind of all this intake stuff, but we also want to create better engagement around our like alumni 
as that uh, with that as a, as an audience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, David, you can probably help answer this because we worked with a lot of higher education institutions. I think they're completely different messages. Truly, admissions is always the key because admissions is the one that is bringing in, um, you know, hopefully four years of money. Um, and so, in those instances, I would say that the message really has to be appealing and like set a future. Whereas alumni, um, the message itself would be more focused on like giving back and helping other people um, have that same experience. Um, we've dealt with that messaging quite a bit. I think that those are probably two key audiences we target a lot through ads. David? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think you, it, in reality, it's just like when you add a, kind of those personas, it's just another one on the list. But a lot of times the way I've seen it tackled is that the alumni, you know, content is even, almost even pretty commonly hosted on another domain or a subdomain. It's like an entirely different website sometimes um, just because it really is two different, two different entirely marketing programs going on because, you know, one like uh, student recruitment and alumni or student recruitment and, you know, enrollments, is you can almost kind of boil that down to, you know, traditional SEO targeting, keyword research, that sort of thing. Whereas going after alumni might be a little bit more open-ended. Um, it might be kind of more content driven because nobody's searching for how do I give more money to my college, you know? So um, yeah, it is too, it's, it's, it, you can consider it another persona in my opinion, but um, a lot of times what we see is it's almost two separate, completely different uh, paths to reaching that audience. It's yeah, and if you're if you're looking at intentions, you've got the prospective students who are quote unquote looking for a better future, looking to further their future, and your alumni, you're looking for that emotional connection to nostalgia and giving back to the place that helped you with that future. So the yeah. intentions for messaging are completely different. Yeah, the other yeah. thing, my uh, my college roommate worked in institutional advancement as his job uh, while he was in college for some time. And one of the things that uh, they focused on a lot was, you know, not only are you going to help the future generation of students, but as you give more money to this college, then we can build our program and give your degree more clout, right? So mm -hmm. now that you have a degree from Mississippi College, uh, where I matriculated, um, and that now that they have an engineering program. With no air conditioning. It was, only, it was only in one dorm. It was only my sophomore year. Um, so just the one year I didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> just to, yeah, just to put, make that clear. Um, the dorm was called Ratliff. Rat in the name, very important. But uh, so, you know, now that we've added these programs and, and done all these things, we can say, you know, how, what a great institution this is to help uh, further the value of what you paid for many, many, many years ago. Yeah, they're, they're playing the long con there. That's good. Um, <laughs> no, but that, uh, that goes into uh, a lot of, a lot of the alumni communication that I get um, from the University of Alabama Business School um, is is very much like prestige driven and trying to not only kind of create a sense of nostalgia and and give a reason to give back, but it's it really is driving on this like uh, idea that um, you know you're attached to this place in some way, and so uh, you know coming in and, and making a donation or, or helping us advance what we're doing uh, adds to kind of the prestige of, of where you graduated. So I think that's, I think that's a, a valid point as well. That's good. 
Uh, and I didn't mean to pull us away from uh, how to how to get prospective students and families, um, but I, I do know that that's certainly a conversation that I hear a lot in, in sales conversations is, you know, hey, yes, we want to um, attract new students, but then we also have the, these other audiences that we want to serve well. So, um, you know, alumni is one, and then obviously current students and just helping them get to the right place and that kind of stuff is, is another uh, that I want to make sure we, we don't forget as we dive deeper into content planning. And I think you also wanted to talk about the fact that you went to the University of Alabama, especially okay, after I, I mentioned on the, on the, on that the I went to right Mississippi there. College. Just don't yeah, just roll tide. Uh, to, to be fair, no I went to Mississippi College for my freshman year, but then I heard there was no air conditioning sophomore year, so I transferred. Hit the bricks. <laughs> In the decade between when I went to college and you went to college, uh, I think they actually did put air conditioning in that building. I'm not. I'm not sure. I wasn't there my sophomore year, so I can't. I can't state uh, whether they do or don't have air conditioning. Can we get a current student to verify? Can we put the call out on social media? We need to know. <laughs> is Ratliff still standing? It is still standing. Well, as of okay. two years ago, it was. I saw it. Yes. Please check out the show notes for information on how you can provide <laughs> us more information. Um, on that. And arguably also uh, on the alumni side, I think the biggest tool for outreach to alumni, uh, you make the argument is uh, sports. And yeah, that is. being uh, completely Miss up in the air College. as well. Mississippi College, <laughs> the fight and something. Um, Choctaws and officially endorsed by the American band of Choctaw Indians. So, Well, there you go. Can't say enough good things about Mississippi College, but um, with the way sports being or how sports is going down right now, um, that's a other thing up in the air too. So as we talk about content planning for our imaginary university, even, you know, on both sides, uh, things have been shaken up to the point where you might need a completely revisited strategy. Yeah, but so I, sorry. I, I make I, the argument. I'm changing my official position at Speak You from registrar to hockey coach. Is that because yeah. you miss 100%? Because you know what? You miss 100% of the mm. shots you don't take. I'm oh, leading that team to glory. Okay, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Kim. Only the mall. Nothing was still around. You could go skate on the ice there or the Coliseum. I don't even know where the ice is. So I guess that's going to be on you to figure out where the ice is. But Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so once we find our ice, uh, we'll also need to start our content planning. Um, where do we start off? I mean, we, it seems like we have a pretty big task ahead of us. Um, we're, it, it, What's the first item on the to-do list here? Well, I was going to say, especially because sports aren't really a draw right now. I mean, content is important. You do have to hook them in somehow, you know, and get their attention. And I think that let's just focus on prospective students. There is a huge hurdle to cross over with just, you know, on-campus visits and um, seeing the dorms for yourself before you – fill out the admission form. Uh, that's all a challenge right now that colleges are facing. And so I think that understanding and kind of listing out the challenges, what is normal, what is not, um, that needs to happen. Uh, we've already kind of identified who the audiences are and the unique challenges that come with that. But really understanding what are they looking for since I can't offer what I normally do. Um, that is a big one. So admissions is the first hurdle because once you've got them to apply, then it's, you know, more about the actual um, hard facts of the school and if their majors offered and that sort of thing. But you do have to create interest in the college. And so we've seen some really cool things um, that have worked throughout the years with that. But it 
all comes down to getting them to fill out that application. Um, some colleges, I think it's the common application. Is that right? Um, that's a new big thing that a lot of students can fill out one application for several colleges. Um, that's a big deal right now because just like when you're searching for a job, when you're having to fill out you know, all of those applications that can seem really tedious. And so the common application is a big one um, that just helps remove a barrier uh, because likely they've already filled it out to some capacity. Um, and then different promotions, I think, work really well um, to give them an idea of what campus life is like. We've seen a couple virtual tours. We've seen um, some free swag go out. We've seen some cause marketing. Um, all of that taken into consideration can still reach those students, even though we can't just invite them on campus. So I have a question related to like the actual execution or, or tactics of something like that. So let's just say we've got, um, you know, we're going to swag out uh, our Speak University applicants. We got swag floating all over this place. Um, where are we, where are we finding these uh, these potential applicants online? How are we getting their attention? What's the kind of what's the strategy there, and, and how do we how do we surface visibility for you know students who are uh, looking at potentially you know a handful of other schools and don't know anything about our uh, renowned programs? Yeah, we've uh, tackled that before. So um, the first place is just lists. Colleges have access to all sorts of lists of high school junior seniors that comes from their ACT, SAT scores, uh, comes from just uh, geolocation. So they can target the whole state that they're located in, that sort of thing. And those definitely help. Anytime we have any of those lists, that's a great thing to start from. Um, from there, we build lookalike audiences. So if we know from their previous admissions data that they have five or six cities they get a lot of applicants from, um, we'll run targeted ads. And that's through search, that's through social, that's maybe video ads, Instagram, uh, you name it. We are targeting them with maybe that swag hook of like, hey, apply before this deadline and get a free whatever. Um, so there's lots of things that you can do to target them, but that's typically how we're doing it, just in the, the building the audiences by targeting where they are socially. Anything else we're doing, David, that I'm not thinking of? Well, I'm think, kind of thinking kind of if we back up a little bit. Um, when we're talking about content planning, obviously we're not talking about just writing 100 pages of, of content. We're talking about multimedia, multi-channel uh, targeting and that sort of thing. I mean, you can you can make the argument that swag hook is a, is would be – you know, a form of multimedia sure. uh, planning. Um, so how do we start breaking that down by each channel? Um, and how do we make sure that those are all working together and not make sure that the social content we're putting out, you know, aligns with the website content and kind of everything in between? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, before we really kind of skip ahead to this user journey we're going down, we have to create those personas. So, um, this is kind of universal for any industry, but when we are talking about who our audiences are, we do build those personas and really explore what it is that is important to those people. So sure, maybe a cause marketing where we make a charitable donation is something that is really attractive to that specific audience. So we'll kind of plug that into our strategy because we've built out this persona of who that audience is, what they like, what they're looking for. 
and can make the decisions from there. So that is a process that we go through pretty regularly. We can take a lot of time and really, really dig deep to form those, um, or we can do it just general with smaller budgets, you know, to find kind of, uh, I talked about it before on the podcast, but find that commonality, that red thread between all of our audiences. Um, but really understanding who they are and what value they perceive is the first step there. And I do think when you're talking about, uh, you know, breaking things out by channel, uh, it's not necessarily all going to be the same messaging for every channel. I think an example sure. I could think of um, on for SEO, if I'm doing SEO for a, for an institution of higher learning, um, the content I might be putting out to track searchers or people looking for, you know, specific information is just kind of getting down to the nitty gritty of how much does it cost to go here? What mm -hmm. do I have to do to get in? Um, a lot of times people are looking for, you know, breaking down barriers to entry. It's a lot of common searches are like, you know, schools don't require a SAT, that sort of thing. So, you know, whereas I might be getting down on the SEO side of that kind of direct stuff, you know, on social, we might be targeting, you know, more of that, you know, testimonials, style student life video, whereas, you know, we could span all the way down to just like a FAQ of kind of basic information. So I think there's you're planning all that stuff out it's not necessarily going to be the same message everywhere um, yeah. but i think it does need to tie together somehow somewhere so well and when we yeah, do I that think... persona marketing we are digging into analytics just like that so you know for let's say there's a nursing program at speak university <laughs> the people coming to that definitely have different intent than the people ending up on the student life page so um, are those people interested in very specific programs in tuition um, are they interested in all of the extracurriculars that the school has um, that all goes into that planning of that persona. So we really do understand who they are. Yeah, I think that's a great point because uh, uh, it, it goes right along with what I was going to chime in with a second ago, which is, you know, we can get really, very, really pretty sophisticated around, you know, if somebody gets to, I think the nursing pages or, or nursing program is a great example. You know, if we, if we get, somebody gets into the nursing program kind of section of the website, you know, we can do some pretty sophisticated messaging to retarget them as they kind of just explore the web over the next several weeks, just pointing them back to, you know, meaningful messages um, that, that we know have an impact. You know, we've got a great nursing program. Uh, you know, we might, depending on, on the research that, you know, uh, the persona research that we do, we might talk about, uh, you know, the, the success rate of, um, you know, nurses getting placed in top hospitals, or we might talk about, um, you know, uh, if, we're, if we're going for a different tack, we might talk about, you know, the ability to get scholarships specifically for, you know, nursing students or whatever. But like, you can, you know, as, as people begin to engage, as these prospective students begin to engage with the website, we can use that that engagement to actually begin to spin off very specific messages to each each kind of audience uh, that might be a part of you know the broad audience of prospective students and i think that's i think that's really really pretty great one thing that that strikes me as uh something that, that i hear a lot in the sales process is um you know getting students to actually finish the the application um, it, it's just a, a time consuming thing, uh, that, you know, um, and so one of the things that I know we've discussed in the past is like, 
you know, even creating specific uh, uh, marketing and drip email campaigns just to like uh, either remind people to finish their application or even incentivize people to finish their application. Um, is that something that, that we've, we've run up against as far as uh, kind of tax, tactics that we've pulled together for clients? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say that there's a couple ways to look at it. One is definitely we've used some cause marketing or incentivization to finish the application. Like if you apply before this deadline, you get a couple hundred dollars off or free swag or whatever it might be. The other thing is just getting to gauge their interest before they're ready to apply. So the first time someone comes to your university website, they're likely not going to apply. They're not going to look at it once, click the button and fill everything out. So what we've done that's been really helpful, um, and David can attest to this too, is asking for a virtual tour, asking for more information and getting their information so that our admissions counselors can actually follow up and create that relationship. But it's it's a lower barrier. It's something that you know they can get some on-demand content or um, some kind of information by giving us their email and their name or phone number um, that doesn't feel as serious as fill out this long application. Yeah, I think, I mean, applying to college is a big life moment type thing. So when you're filling out an application, there's some weight to it. Um, but, you know, on the surface level in the analytics, you could just kind of apply the same thinking of a e-commerce checkout or kind of any other transaction that happens on a website. We can, we can, we can track it in analytics apply a lot of the same, you know, thought and theory to it um, and hopefully produce the same kind of results. So, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a bigger, like Kendra said, a bigger decision cycle than a lot of that stuff, but um, you know, the data available to us and the, and the ways we can kind of, you know, target that and that sort of thing um, is very, very similar. Well, and I think that's a fantastic perspective because I think um when I'm talking with uh, some of the folks that I, that I talk with, um, there's just not that connection of like, oh, this is a transactional process. And so we can apply some best practices from, from this type of behavior to really get people across the finish line. Um, you know, there's, there's not kind of that connection to necessarily Oh, okay. Well, this is this is an, an e-commerce or transactional type behavior. So let's let's you know put together a plan for moving people over the finish line. It just feels a little bit like uh, kind of a, a, a mystery to them of how how do we yeah. how do we get people across the finish line and and kind of what you're saying is it's uh, it is a bigger decision than you know what I'm going to do at Amazon. Uh, but you know, we can, we can apply some, some similar ideas. Yeah. And while we want, so looking at website, looking at social, wherever it is, we want the ability for someone to be like, okay, I'm ready. Where do I apply? We want that CTA to be visible all the time. We have to know that sometimes that CTA is going to be ignored and that's okay. So, you know, when someone lands on the website for the first time, we want them to take in the culture and the feeling of the school and understand if they're interested. We don't want to slap them with, here's the admission fee, here's tuition, and here are your course requirements. We want them to understand who the school is, what the school is about. Then we want them to seek information on their program or areas of interest. And then from there, we can get into much more, here's what it's gonna to take to get you there. Are you ready to apply? So just 
understanding that that sales funnel, which is you can all imagine in your head and apply it to just about any situation. It still applies at a place like a university. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. And it's, it's not a moving directly from the top of the funnel all the way to, okay, let's apply. I think that's a, I think everybody understands that, but it's a, it's a gentle conversion kind of through several phases before you get them to the point where uh, they are ready to apply. They hit that button and then they're, they're you know, pretty fully convinced at that point, uh, which is, which is great. So one theme we always seem to kind of get back to when we talk about content um, is finding that balance between the kind of stuff I do of getting keyword research and being very, very data-driven, technical, you know, trying to, you know, fit in with the competition and kind of provide the same information. But there's also the taking creative chances and trying to stand out in that way. Um, we're going to need to do that for Speak University, but have you guys, you know, in you know, day to day seen any examples of a university or college uh, trying to find some ways to, you know, put content together that's unique, especially related to, you know, COVID-19 and not being able to be there in person. Um, any examples stand out to you guys? A friend whose son graduated this year, um, he is looking at all sorts of schools, well, was, I think he's committed now, but um, he got a package in the mail that was something along the lines of like, hey, we know you can't be on campus to take a tour, but we want to bring the tour to you. And they had printed up cardboard VR headsets that were like their branding, their links, all of their marketing pieces, and then a link to the virtual tour. So, you know, you're online with the virtual tour, but you can put it in this branded headset. Um, and I just thought that was really cool because it reached them right where they were. Of course, people are going to look at it and do it and put it together because it's kind of kitschy, but it's fun. Uh, and that was really, really, really innovative way, I think, of reaching people. Um, That's really cool. Can't come on campus. Yeah. So I thought that was a really great idea. Um, again, did, we're, did, he, did he go there? You know, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look and see if that's where he committed. I mean, I would have. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Virtual tour of their residence hall. Let's see it. Um, I can't feel the air conditioning though. So <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Um, so yeah, I think that that was really effective. I think that we're also talking about current traditional students are Gen Zers. And so the cause marketing thing, I touched on it before, but just like, hey, here's what we're doing um, to impact the environment and just letting them know that like they can be a part of this big change. I think mm. that that has been really cool um, to see how colleges have responded to um, protests and COVID and just humanity things. Um, I think mm. that that has been a good pivot for them. Um, not that they weren't doing it before, but I think that Gen Z really has latched onto that. And uh, one other thing that occurred to me was uh, recently I saw that uh, University of Alabama, roll tide, um, if you if you follow uh, college sports at all, you're probably pretty familiar, especially uh, with football and basketball. Uh, but but any of them, um, yeah, you're probably familiar with the idea of like uh, recruiting and kind of all the effort that goes into recruiting athletes. And then you know every every year there's a a few different days where uh, athletes who are have been recruited by these schools will sign their national letters of intent and they, they, you know, it's, it's called signing day and, you know, the universities, uh, the athletic departments tend to make real big deals of that. And, uh, you know, 
kind of post the signing ceremonies and it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a fanfare type of type of thing. And, and everybody gets super excited about, you know, uh, the new athletes that are going to be a part of the team. Um, and I thought this was uh, in Alabama, uh, traditionally, especially in football has been uh, a, a good, has been a good recruiter and has uh, kind of, oh, really? you don't say, huh. yeah. is kind of known for that. But, Surprising. and so I'm leading up to this idea that, uh, here recently, they've started posting on, um, I don't remember what platform, maybe Instagram, um, but pictures of uh, college seniors who are going into like the business program or the nursing program. And it's, uh, they're essentially kind of replicating uh, kind of the, the, the signing day uh, uh, kind of enthusiasm around, you know, just kind of. Uh, that's cool probably talented very talented college seniors uh who you know have nothing to do with athletics but um i just thought that was a, a nice little nod to the idea that like you know especially alabama because they are seen as as a sports school you know that they could pivot that into something that's maybe a little bit uh broader appeal to to the university itself work with a college in Arkansas, Lion College, and something that's really unique that they do is they actually have a pet-friendly dorm so you can bring your dog to school, and that is not something that most schools do. That is brand new, but it's something different, and so they look mm -hmm. at any opportunity to promote that, and my gosh, they did a like point of view from the dog video that was just amazing and people loved it because it was different. And so hmm. I think that anytime you can capture what you're doing that is cool, <laughs> um, that sets you apart, that's also great content. Whether you're putting that online, whether you have you know a content page on it, whether it's a video that's on Facebook and Instagram, um, it just did really well for them. A lot of colleges can get stuck in the mindset of, you know, they're, they're staffed a lot of times by alumni who have been at the school, they know how the school is different and how it's set apart, but they're not always understanding that for a lot of college seniors, you're kind of just, you're having to make distinctions between schools that, that look and seem very kind of same. There's a lot of sameness. Um, you know, I'm going, I'm going to a place to get a, a good degree. I hope that they have a good program. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's, I'm not trying to say that all schools are the same, but there's, uh, there can be a little bit of blindness to, um, like what would be different about going to the school that I would enjoy. And so something like that with lion saying, Hey, look, here's a thing that might, you know, get us 2% more students like that's worth doing, you know? Um, I mean, to have the whole pet friendly dorm approach and then also to, you know, do a good job of, of marketing it. I think that's, I think that's really cool. I like that. We can have an aquarium friendly dorm. You can bring your fish <laughs> or maybe even bring a terrarium friendly dorm with snakes and reptiles, that sort of thing. Oh, fantastic. Now are these community aquariums and terrariums or is this everybody gets their own? Uh, I would say everybody gets their own, you know, I think, oh, you know, based on tuition, they're already paying enough. We, we can As residence hall director, I reserve the right to kick any reptile out of the dorms. I knew I should have taken that job first. Oh, that was a good call. That was a power move right there, Ken. <laughs> Thank you.
So if we're not, okay, well, just, I think we almost got our speaking university down, but let's take a little break for a second. If I'm not in higher education, um, are there any differences in content planning? Is there anything that stands out? Or would you say that, you know, on, on the foundational level, um, is, it, is it almost the same for everybody? Or is there anything that stands out that's different? It's a lot of the same. The differences, I would say, are um, just your impact. So as a university, do you have a huge audience or are you a local college that, you know, people in your state have heard of you and maybe no one else? That's certainly different, just understanding your audience and how far reaching your audience needs to be. Um, but you got to know who they are. You got to know what they find value in and you've got to keep creating content. It doesn't stop. There's never really a finish line. So, um, yeah, team all the same. Yeah. I mean, I think foundational layer is, is, you know, the strategy is the same, right? We've got to identify our audiences. We've got to really understand kind of the personas that make up each of those audiences. Um, we've got to, uh, understand, build and, and understand kind of what our, uh, conversion funnel looks like for each of those audiences. What's the, what's the kind of, uh, ultimate stuff that we're hoping for them to take and then kind of back up into, you know, what are, what are kind of layers of engagement that we can create kind of leading up to that, that final, uh, conversion. Um, but certainly, you know, if you're, if you're running a, a pediatric office, uh, the, the tactics and the, and the audiences are, are completely different, but you know, that foundational layer, um, of, of research and analysis and planning, um, yeah, I think looks very similar. Is that right? Kendra, I mean, that, that seems to be kind of what you're saying. Yep. I think I would agree as well. So I think we got a few more questions to ask, and then I think we'll finally have the Speak University buttoned up. Uh, first, I need to know, um, what is our mascot in our fight song? Oh. What's that One Direction song you sing so often, Matt? That could be our fight song. Yeah, I mean, either way, Matt Roberts is the one singing singing the fight song. Um, I do think maybe that John Mayer song that plays on the Office playlist every thirty minutes when we have that going, that's a candidate. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I we'll keep thinking on the on the on the fight song. But if it Mascots. was up to Scott, well, if it was up to Jenna, the fight song would be "Fighter" by Christina Aguilera. She absolutely loves that song. Okay, well, I approve that. Throwback. Oh man, I could sing that. As that. long, my only requirement for a fight song is that it sneaks a cuss word in there because those are my favorite, like flim flam, hot damn, or my... Are you sure about that one, though? Uh, no, not that that was right, <laughs> but that it includes that. <laughs> um, I like a good whoopsie right in the fight song. Uh, you graduated from where, Kendra? University of West Florida in Pensacola. Okay. All right. Do you remember your fight song? Well, we didn't have a football team when I was there. Nobody. But well, surely you had a fight song, right? Mm, I didn't go to any sports. I don't think there weren't really uh, much of a thing there. I also I need to lived know. Yeah. away from campus, you know. Okay. But my freshman year, I did attend Missouri Western State University, and I can still sing that fight song. And it also said half as great, but everyone said half ass great. So oof, oof. got it. <laughs> I couldn't tell nice. you what our fight song was. No clue. I mean, I have the University of Memphis one ingrained in my head, but that's because I was going to games since I was like four years old. So I had an advantage yeah. there. I had a head start. 
Nice. I'm not even going to ask Matt Roberts if he can sing the Alabama fight song. Oh, I can I sing totally the Alabama can. fight song. Heck yeah. Gross. Yay, Alabama. I had a friend burn me a CD. This is a long time ago, obviously, because I just said burn me a CD. For some reason, <laughs> he put the Alabama say, fight so song this on is there. Mid-90s? Was Something Fighter like by that. Christina Aguilera also on there? I don't think that was out <laughs> yet at that point. But he put Whoa. the Alabama fight song on the CD, and I would always play it, and now it's just burned in there. It's not coming there out. There you go. Uh, so we haven't settled either of these. Uh, Kendra wants a cuss word in our fight song, and we don't have a mascot. Um, David, surely you've got some great ideas for the mascot. Well, if it was up to me, it would be the speak fighting spreadsheets, but that's just, that's stupid. Oh, well, that's pretty that's good. I like, I like having fighting in the name. Like, <gasps> Oh, uh, my gosh. We could have Clippy as our mascot. Does anybody remember is, I mean, Clippy? is that trademark? Probably. They probably abandoned that. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a paperclip. I mean, how you know? <laughs> we can be we can be an off-brand yeah. Clippy. I mean, we could put a smiley face on any office supply you want, like one of those Clippy things, or like a big staple. Is the admission free fee free because we're not going to convert otherwise, guys. As the registrar slash hockey coach, I say no. You could do like some places and just pay people to go to school here. I think we may have to do that. Yeah, we're, we're going to need a lot of federal funding is what we're saying. We could just disrupt the entire industry and charge $14.99 a month. <laughs> like, I think we're on to something here. Well, that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think our mascot and fight song for Speak University is still up in the air. Uh, I guess we'll start going through supplies around the office to find our own Clippy. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever agree on a song, uh, but maybe one day. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the content planning process, we have a ton of content that touches on the various facets of content strategy on our blog. Head over to madebyspeak.com to check out the latest and greatest there. Uh, and if you'd like to embark on your own content planning journey with Speak, be sure to reach out. You'll find our contact info on madebyspeak.com as well. As always, if you have questions or feedback for today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. Speak is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, whichever social media platform you prefer, we are there. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, I'd ask you to please subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, so for myself, uh, our panel today, and all of us at Speak, thank you once again for getting a little off topic with us. Mm -hmm.